I think it's one of the biggest mistakes or challenges uh, for artists, especially because if you don't have a way to measure and track your results, then it's like you're in a theater that's pitch black and you're looking for a pair of keys and it can take like, it's so hard and difficult to find and, and maybe eventually you'll find it. But if you do, like you don't even know how you got there, <laughs> like compared to if you turn on the lights, right. And it just gives you instant feedback and you can see where things are at, then you can literally walk directly to like, yeah, you have to take like some steps to like to get there, but at least you'd have that concrete clarity to know where you're at and where the keys are at that you're moving towards. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble, and I want to welcome you to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. Okay, it is time to put on your marketing hat for this episode. We're going to talk about knowing exactly where to find your perfect people, knowing how to connect with them, using tools online in order to connect with them and further that relationship, and then how to use data to figure out ways that we can turn them into raving fans and paying fans that support our career. So this is a deep dive today. I'm excited about it. I ask a lot of granular questions because that's just the nerd that I am. I love data. I love figuring out how we can use the numbers to make decisions. So if that's you, you're going to love this. If that's not you, I want to suggest that you listen anyway, because I think you will learn to love it. If you understand what the data is actually telling you, you're going to love data. It may feel overwhelming at first, but that's what this is all about. And that's why I think you should listen, because it's going to turn you into a fan of knowing your data. And if you love what we talk about here and you want to learn more, or you know you're already interested, go to femusician.com slash modernmusician and sign up for the free workshop that Michael is doing just for my community on Wednesday, November 11th. Go to femusician.com. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com slash modernmusician and get registered and we will see you at that workshop. I'm so excited to dive even deeper, but until then, here is my interview with Michael Walker of Modern Musician. I am here today with Michael Walker from Modern Musician and I am so excited to be talking to him. He is a fellow uh, summit host. I know he's, how many summits have you done? Is it two or maybe it's three now? I've done two, kind of two and a half. Um, Is it three that you've done? Yep, we we just did our third one this this last summer. That's awesome. I love your guys' summits. They're so summits are just great because 
they allow musicians to learn a lot of stuff in a short period of time from really great experts. So I love that you serve the musician community that way, but you also obviously have your modern musician brand and you are helping musicians to build their fan base and just really make good money from music, which is what I'm all about, of course. So I'd love to know, you know, I've heard you on a lot of podcasts and people here may have heard your story. So we don't have to go way into that, but I'd just love to hear, like, I know you grew, started growing your fan base with your band in grassroots ways. And I love that because that's kind of how I learned to build my business. So how were you really building your fan base back then? And how does that translate into now when, you know, we're doing a lot of this stuff online? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good question. And th- thanks for having me, Bree. And, and the feeling is definitely mutual of, of respect uh, for, for you and everything that you're doing as well. And for us, when we were first starting out, uh, trying to grow our fan base, we lived in a very small town in Vermilion, South Dakota, which usually when I tell people I'm from South Dakota, they're like, wow, people actually live there. Oh, so oh, by the States, way, I like, was just there. I, I just went to Mount really? Rushmore and like I'd never been uh, to South Dakota before. And it's like a totally different world from California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's slightly more cows in South Dakota than California probably. But um, so we started out and totally didn't really know what we were doing. We booked our first tour and quickly realized that we actually have to figure out how to bring people out to the shows if you want to tour successfully and played quite a few shows to so just like the bartender in the back of the room. And at the time we were sleeping in our vans, sleeping outside of Walmart, like parking lots, going in and getting peanut butter and tortillas. And that was like breakfast, lunch and dinner for <laughs> some peanut butter tortillas and throw like a banana in there if you want to be fancy. And the, the thing that probably made the biggest impact on our career and, and just like my life personally in terms of going through the transformation was an idea that our lead singer had that now we've come to call tour hacking. And the idea was, you know, there are six of us in the band and we were big fans of bands like All Time Low, Blink-182, Mayday Parade, and pop rock, pop punk bands. And bef- before those, their shows, they would have thousands of people waiting out front in lines to go inside, sometimes for like days in advance. Uh, a lot of times for like in the morning, the fans would show up to get the best spot in line. And so we thought, what if we walk up to those people and introduce ourselves and share some of our music and just try to build a, build a connection? And so we started doing that. And I was like a super shy, awkward kid. So it's like stuttering and shaking as I walked up to, to people online and it was not natural at all. Uh, but what we found was, was just that it worked incredibly well. And we sold 24,000 CDs in about four and a half months doing that. And because of that, one of the bands that we were tour hacking on was called the All Time Low. They were like our favorite band of all time. And they heard about what we were doing. And they gave us the opportunity to open for them on their next tour. And so, you know, then we were going on tour with one of our favorite bands and we're being like backstage and being in celebrity shock as they were like hanging out backstage and they were super cool. And, you know, I think the reason it works so well, and this applies not just to this strategy, but just, you know, marketing in general for your band or for your business or whatever is just the fundamentals are the same of finding out where the people who need what you offer, like where do they hang out? Where do they congregate? And then how do you introduce yourself to those people and build a real relationship and, you know, generate value. And then what do you offer to those people in order to one, you know, make an income so you can sustain yourself and to deliver more value over time. So you can invest more. 
And so the people we're meeting at these shows are the fans who spend money to go to these shows and be with a community. And they're like, they're the right people to, to meet and to talk to. And so, yeah, I think that's really the reason that it worked so well is that they were the right people and we were actually connecting personally one-on-one. And that, that goes a long ways when you're just starting out and no one knows who you are and you have to, you know, you have to really put in effort to connect with people early on. Yeah. And you know, that you guys were really gutsy. Like I know a lot of people that wouldn't do what you guys did walking up to strangers and, you know, talking about your band, it's super uncomfortable. And, and you have to get out of your comfort zone to be a successful artist. It is like a prerequisite in my opinion, but some people think that they can just go online and they don't, you know, they can kind of use the online tools and they can hide behind those and not have to like talk to people one-on-one and that kind of thing. And they can just, you know, build their fan base that way. So what would you say now that, you know, you're, you've kind of translated this more to an online method, especially now, cause we can't have live shows. How can you use the online tools to connect with people and still create that, you know, really deep connection as if you walked up to them and had a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's such a good question because I think we're in like a really an interesting point with our um, development of like as a culture and with the internet and technology, we're kind of approaching this, this point where it's like both a hugely valuable tool with automation and the ability to scale and to leverage our time and to be able to kind of clone ourselves so that we can reach even more people. But there's also sort of this, um, this gap or this disconnect that is happening a lot nowadays where people, even though we're more connected than ever because you're quote unquote connected because of the internet, uh, if we lack the actual human connection of, you know, of that personal interaction, then a lot of times it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't connect. And it's harder to cut through the noise because there's so many people and content and information that's multiplying that we don't have the resources to be able to process all of it. So we filter out most of it and we only really absorb or really only get the stuff that cuts through the noise. So, you know, what is it that cuts through the noise? And for, for us, you know, what we're finding is working best right now is ironically very similar to what we did with tour hacking in lines, but just doing that online now, essentially the exact, we call it virtual tour hacking. And the idea is exactly the same fundamentally, you know, you find out where your people hang out online and then you start a conversation with them, like a real, you know, uh, a real authentic conversation back and forth and you build a relationship with them and then you make some sort of offer. And there are ways that you can really leverage what we talked about with the geeky stuff like the AI and automation. You can build chat bots and really cool things to be able to do that. But there's still this, this uh, key elements that you never want to lose that sense of real connection because that's the juice that makes everything, everything worth it. And if you're lacking that real connection, then all the automation, it's like if a car is driving a hundred, hundred miles per hour, but it's like lifted up off the air, there's no traction. It's not going to go anywhere. So it's kind of like, yeah, like sometimes automation without the traction, without the real connection is like the car that is spinning its wheels. Yeah. I think that, you know, the automation is definitely very useful. I mean, 
the things that we can do online that help us get in front of the right people, those are super helpful. And I think about it in like, you know, instead of driving to all the locations that you guys were going to, to talk to people online, maybe you got to fly, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of what the online tools can help us do, but you still have to have those conversations and automating those conversations is not going to be as helpful as automating how you find the people. Mm. That's true. Yeah. And, and what I've found both with Paradise Fears and with Modern Musician was that in the initial stage, when I was just, when we were just starting Paradise Fears and when we were just starting Modern Musician, it was really important to start with the ground level of the one-on-one -on -one connection with people. And that helped us to really, to like get in tune with people too. Kind of like, yeah, I think one mistake that that's really easy to make nowadays with, with the internet is that we might, I don't know, boost a bunch of posts or we might um, try to pr promote ourselves, but it's kind of like we're, we're playing this chord. We're like, Oh, this sounds awesome. Like people are going to love this. It's great. And then really like what our fans are, are resonating at is this kind of this, this like different chord or like, this is how this is where they're at. And so we're here being like, oh, this is going to be awesome. People are going to love this. And then like, it's like here. And it's like you put them together and it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and it like does, it just it doesn't really resonate. It doesn't really, doesn't really connect. And that's why, you know, I think the one-on-one -on -one stuff that happened in terms of both like face-to-face -face connecting with our fans and with Modern Musician, like face connecting with, um, with artists and kind of seeing where are they at right now and re remembering what it was like to be at the beginning. Um, it's kind of like, I'm like here and they're like here, but then I'm kind of like, I'm listening more and I'm like having that conversation. I'm kind of like, Oh, Hmm. Like they're playing this. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, then we can start like resonating with them more. We can start, you know, we can get in, we can get in tune with, we can get in touch with them. And so, you know, at the beginning, especially I feel like it's so important to have those roots so that you can get in tune. And then when you do get in tune, at least, what for, what's happened for for me with Paradise Fears and with Modern Musician has been like at scale in order to reach as many people as possible if I was trying to have all those conversations one-on-one -on -one, I kind of reached my breaking point where it's like you know I've got a family and I've got like a lot of response like I can't just can't talk with everyone one-on-one -on -one as much as I would like to and so at a certain breaking point it's kind of like you have to like shift your attention you never want to completely get rid of that that one-on-one -on -one or that like direct connection, but it just kind of moves to a higher level. I think at least that's, that's what it's been, you know, for, uh, for us with paradise, like for example, um, with paradise fears, eventually uh, one thing that was so awesome and hugely valuable for our fans and also for our business was doing these, these private parties where we would actually go like show up at our fans houses and play for their friends and their family. And, you know, we, we do these for up to $6,000 for a single show and, that was such a powerful way to really connect um, face to face with the people who get the most value out of it. And it was also, a, you know, one of the most lucrative streams of income for our band to help us to, to sustain ourselves. And, you know, that's one example of like, you know, we never, we didn't stop doing the one-on-one. -on -one. We just kind of shifted it so that we could leverage the limited amount of time that we did have with the people who got the most value from that level of attention. Mm, yeah, I love that. I mean, that's like house concerts, private parties. Like those are, I think, some of the most fun things. Um, and, you know, things that have now obviously had to shift to, to online at the moment, but they still can be done. And I think they're, they're really 
an important part of the experiences that we can offer our fans. So let me ask you, I, you know, I've been on your website and I see that you work with a lot of bands, helping them, you know, build their fan base and go through this kind of system that you've set up. Does this work the same for solo artists as well as bands? Mm. You know, I, I would say probably 80% or so of the artists we're working with right now are, are solo artists. And then about 20% of them are, are bands. Oh, you better put them and, on your front page because I was like, oh, these are all bands. <laughs> yeah, maybe we do need to do a better job representing each of them. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it works equally well. I mean, there's pros and cons to to being a solo artist or having a band. You know, the pro of having a band is that if everyone is dedicated and committed and has the same vision and is willing to work for it, it's like cool. You can multiply your your effectiveness by four or five times depending on the people mm -hmm. in the band. Um, but your benefit as a solo artist is that you might have more creative leverage and freedom and, and, you know, and you don't have to worry about maybe some band members who aren't really as committed kind of thing. Um, but I, I would say that it works equally, whether you're, whether you're a band or, or you're a solo artist. Cool. Cool. Cause I know we have a lot of solo artists listening to this show. Of course we have plenty of people that are in bands as well. So I just wanted to make sure um, we are going to be doing a workshop with Michael coming up and he's going to be showing you his system that goes from like figuring out your artist identity, nailing that down, going into creating a passionate fan base and then revenue multiplier, which I'm super excited about. And I want to talk about in a second, but first of all, I wanted to ask you, um, I know that this system that you teach is based kind of on the, the marketing funnel concept, right? And I teach my musicians this as well, but I, I don't really use the marketing terms because it kind of freaks them out and stresses them out. And, and just the idea of all the tech involved kind of freaks them out. So I'm just curious how you approach the tech and how you, you know, are artists that you work with really excited about like digging into the tech or are they just like, oh, I want you to handle it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that question because I mean, it's depending on who you talk to. It's there's a wildly different answer, but I would say the majority, the majority of the people of the artists that we're working with are not the kinds of people who are tech. They like excited by tech, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to learn this new tech tool." <laughs> you know, like if anything, it's kind of the opposite where they're like, "Oh my gosh, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of technology and learning all these new tools." and and are kind of looking for guidance or help or some hands-on in terms of the heavy lifting. And so the way that, the way that we structured things is, you know, we want to, we want to help artists to develop the skill set of using these tools for themselves so that they have that, you know, as a, as a skill set, because it is so valuable and so important after, you know, we have like a three month program and after the three months, we want to make sure that they're, at a point where they feel at least comfortable enough to be able to keep running the funnel and to keep optimizing it and to create new funnels. And so it was kind of like, we use the analogy of we're teaching artists how to fish for themselves so that they can you know, have that as a skill set. But the way that we're doing it is that we have a team of, tra of 18 trained coaches who can do a lot of the heavy lifting for the artists. Every single week, there's a private one-on-one -on -one session. And so on those sessions, we do a lot of the heavy lifting. So it's kind of like we're sitting on the dock next to you, kind of showing you how to fish and being like, this is how you fish. And so that way we can move really quickly. And by the end of the first month, have launched the entire system and have proof of concept 
concept, which is cool. But then it's like, yeah, we're also teaching you how it works for yourself so that you at least have the basic understanding to either continue to scale up the campaigns yourself or to be at a point where if you want to outsource it and hire someone on your team, you at least understand how it works so that you can hire someone else to be able to run it for you. Totally. And it sounds like you're kind of threading that first line for them and putting the fly on the line and helping them cast the first time. So they're not like, hmm, I don't even know how this fishing pole works. Exactly. Yeah. The, the first one's always the hardest because it's like, you know, if, if, you, if it's your first time doing it, you, you, can, you can literally have one of those moments where it's like you take five hours to try to figure out how this, like this tech tool works. And then like you get on a call with a coach who's trained and they're like, Oh, you just click this button. And then like they click the button, <laughs> it just works. And you're like, like I, I wish I knew. So there is something when it's your first time ever building something completely new. I've heard this advice a lot um, from a few of my mentors is that you start, you emulate and then you innovate, right? Because because it's much easier to create something that's already defined, that's tangible. And then once you have an understanding of it to, you know, to tweak it and make it your own. But the first time it's really, really easy to get into analysis paralysis and mm-hmm. to want everything to be perfect the first time. And so it's like that first one, it's like, you know, you just got to get it, just got to get it out, got to get it launched. And then from there you can start to refine it. For sure. So I love that your last step is the, uh, the revenue multiplier. And in my experience, the best way to multiply revenue is to really know your data because then you know the levers that you can pull. Um, But I'd love to know from you, I'm pretty religious about doing my data, but I know I talk to a lot of artists and they're like overwhelmed by the idea of keeping their data and, um, you know, keeping up with it every week and stuff. So can you kind of give them an idea of like, what are the benefits to them of, keeping, you know, watch over their data all the time and what kind of things should they be tracking? Mm, that That's such a good question. And, and, and I, I think it's one of the biggest um, mistakes or challenges uh, for artists, especially because if you don't have a way to measure and track your results, then you're just, it's like you're, it's like you're in a theater that's pitch black and you're looking for a pair of keys and it can take like, it's so hard and it's difficult to find and, and maybe eventually you'll find it. But if you do, like you don't even know how you got there, <laughs> like compared to if you turn on the lights, right. And it just gives you instant feedback and you can see where things are at, then you can literally walk directly to like, yeah, you have to take like some steps to like to get there, but at least you'd have that concrete clarity to know where you're at and where the keys are at that you're moving towards. And so that's one of the things that, that like we have the template for, we call it like the funnel accelerator and there's a weekly system for tracking your metrics along with like targets. So you know what to aim for. And that's probably the thing that, that I see most of the artists. I mean, you know, I was, I was the weird kid in high school that liked math. So like I see the spreadsheet (laughs) and Awesome. And I get excited about this. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. But I know, I know that a lot of people they're, they're like, they're not um, geeks or or weirdos like, like me um, and enjoy that kind of stuff. And so, so um, that being said, having, having the framework, I've seen it even for people who are typically like overwhelmed, that kind of idea. I think it's less that they're overwhelmed by 
the actual spreadsheet. I think it's more like that they're overwhelmed by not having the spreadsheet and not knowing where to start and not even being like, like, what do I measure? What do I track? Like, what Oh my is- gosh, that's such a good point. I'm glad you said that because that is a big thing in my um, Rock Your Next release course. I tell them like, I can't stand a blank page. It dry, like, it's so hard for me to put the first thing on there, right? But if I, if I hand you a system that's already set up on a spreadsheet and say, now use this every week, it's so much easier, right? And so mm-hmm. that's what I want, you know, some of the things I give them inside that course. And that is so true. Like if you have to kind of figure out, well, how, what data am I going to track and how am I going to put it on here and set up the spreadsheet? By the time you did that, you're like done with it and you never want to see it again. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And because I mean, you can, you can do that. It's, it's kind of like, I come back to this analogy a lot because it's a good analogy is that um, if you have a goal or a destination you're trying to get to, let's, then it's kind of like you're going on a cross country trip. And let's say you set out on this cross country trip and you don't have a map then you you might find eventually find your way there, but it's going to take a lot of wrong turns and time and energy to kind of figure out your way there. But if you have a map and even better, if you have a GPS that's telling you like, Hey, like you're off track, <laughs> like take this, take this turn, then it's going to make it much, much quicker and easier and probably save you a lot of time and money in the long term to, to get there. So in a similar way, you know, if you don't have one of these spreadsheets, you know, look, you can, you can create it. You can, you can create your own map. You know, you, you're going to have to make a lot of mistakes and, and to kind of figure out how it works and figure out what to aim for in order to create your map. But you absolutely can do that. You know, I've, I lived in my van for, for a year and a half to and like made crawl over broken glass to kind of figure out a few of the things that we figured out. But we did that without having a map. You know, we had to kind of chart, chart it ourselves. There's a lot of, um, I mean, I don't know, like I, in some ways I was going to say there's a lot of suffering that goes with it. Like, yeah, like we were like slumming it and like living in our vans, but also we, we were really excited about what we were doing and enthusiasm right. and stuff, um, which is important, I think. But, but um, the, the point is that absolutely it helps a lot to stand on the shoulders of, of like not having to, to relearn lessons that have already been learned. If you can kind of shortcut that, you can save a lot of time and, and energy. Well, and I think when we're working online, you know, things aren't as tangible. Like for you, you're like, oh, look, I just handed CDs to people and they handed me money and I sold this number of CDs, right? And so you get that immediate gratification. You get that feeling that like, I know exactly what just happened. But when we're online, a lot of times it's just kind of like this, oh, there's clicking and there's opening and there's, you know, sometimes there's people buying, but I don't know how many. And it just feels very nebulous. And that's what data does for you. It, it puts that feeling of that I handed somebody something and they handed me money back in your court so you can understand what's happening. And I think what people don't get is that data is so motivating. Like when you look mm-hmm. at your data and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, even, I didn't realize that this many, you know, 35% of my audience is opening my emails, like they're actually reading them, you know? And so I think it can be super exciting for people to keep track of that data, but it's just kind of getting started with it. So I'd love to know just maybe just a couple data points that you think every artist should be tracking. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever you're building a funnel or you're, you're keeping track of like a, a marketing sequence like this, um, the two most important data points that 
I mean, you want to track kind of every step in between. Like you want to look at, okay, point A, point B, point C, point D. That's kind of what a funnel is all about is kind of giving people a linear path and seeing how many people take the next step and how many people don't. Um, so, but all, all those being said, every single funnel comes down to two, two metrics that matter the most that, that you can look at at a glance and know how well is the funnel doing, which is one, uh, cost per acquisition and then two, value per acquisition. And what that means is, for example, um, let, let's say that you're, you're getting opt-ins for your email list. So, so let me just break down um, an, an overview of a campaign that we're running right now. Honestly, this is like virtual tour hacking in, in a nutshell, as I'm just going to walk through what, what it is. So... <laughs> So funny enough, like, of course, like out of everything we've tested, we spent $130,000 in the past year to test a ton of different things. And out of, out of everything that we've tested, the like simplest, most straightforward <laughs> and raw one is like the one that ends up being the best. Um, and so what it looks like is it's exactly like tour hacking, but it's just done online. So it starts with a video that's usually about like 20 to 30 seconds long, where it's like you holding up your phone and looking at the phone and saying, Hey, uh, my name is Michael. I play keyboard in a band called Paradise Fears. And I think if you're a fan of All Time Low or Mayday Parade, you might like our music too. Uh, if you want to hear one of the songs, then click on this button here, and I'm, and we'll have a conversation. Uh, looking forward to connecting. You know, like it's a it's a video like that, which is basically exactly like what we said to people when we walked up in line. <laughs> Except in line, like I would make a stupid joke about it. I'd be like, so like if you're interested, you can listen to our songs. But I should probably warn you, most people who listen to it enjoy it so much that they start to cry and faint. So if you need any tissues, I've got a backpack full of tissues. I have like say fast that with a straight face. That's funny. <laughs> I got yeah, a lot of practice, a lot of practice, <laughs> a lot. Um, and and so you know, really, just like the the up close and personal um, videos are the ones that we see getting the best results by far. And then it starts a messenger conversation. So then you actually start having a back and forth conversation. And we have something called your Intune survey framework, which is just like a, a way to guide the conversation. But in a nutshell, um, it's just about connecting, like building, have, it's about being a human being and having a conversation with another human being and focusing specifically on what you guys have in common uh, in regards to the music. So kind of lighting, lighting up uh, in terms of talking about their favorite artists and their favorite songs and do they go out to shows and, and asking music related questions. And then from there, if they're a good fit, usually we'll segment um, segment people into different categories based on how they answer the questions. Um, so, for example, if uh, you ask someone, so like you know, when the coronavirus isn't happening, do you go to a lot of live shows? And if they say, "Oh my God!" like all the like, I feel so like I my heart hurts. I can't believe I can't go out and and go to concerts anymore. I just went on a road trip with my best friend right before everything happened. And you know, like you look at their profile and it's the profile pictures with the, their favorite band. And like, you know, you just like, they're that kind of fan. Then we might say that they're like a quote unquote gold level fan compared to if you ask that question to someone who doesn't really care, they might just be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's been like five or six years. I'm honestly, I'm just too broke to go out to shows or something like that. Then you're like, okay, well then that's like clearly one of those people is much more likely to get huge value from you and your music versus the other person who's very likely to just not really care that much. And so um, we'll segment people into different categories based on what, what level of, of fan they are, how much value they're going to get. And then the people who are a really good fit, you'll invite them to your private community. 
and we call that your street team. And the way that, that we position that is, what did I say? Thank you so much for listening to the song. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You're awesome. Hey, by the way, I've got a private community where uh, I do live streams and I release early, I give early access to new music. Um, is that something you might be interested in if, if I send you a link? And if someone who's the right fit, it's going to be like, for sure, that sounds awesome. Awesome. So what's your, what's your best email address? And so then you have the email address and then and you say, I'll, I'll shoot you an invite. So, so you send them the invite and then say, so like, um, you know, hopefully when things open back up, I'll be able to go out on tour and I'd love to play nearby. You want me to let you know when I play nearby? Mm. And we're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Sweet. What's your best phone number? I'll, I'll shoot you a text when we're playing nearby. Boom. So now you have an email address and a phone number and you invite them to right now we're doing them through private Facebook groups. And I, I, I find myself getting like really deep here in the nitty gritty. So I don't want to like, like overwhelm people with too much info, but in a nutshell, some of those metrics you would track in that specific case is one, like what was your cost per message? How much does it cost to get someone to click on send message to hear the song? And then you might say, what was your cost per completed Intune survey. So how much did it cost to get someone to actually go through those questions and make it to the part with the street team? And you might say, okay, what was the cost per email address? How much did it cost for someone to go through that and actually give us their email address? How much did it cost for them to go through and join the, the private Facebook group? And so you'd keep track of all those things. So those are all kind of like the granular nitty gritty things that you do want to track with the funnel. But then the most important thing, and this is going to apply to any funnel that, that you create, is the cost, per, the cost per acquisition versus the value per acquisition. So for example, let's say that maybe you're, you're saying cost per email versus the value per email. So basically, you just want to track how much does it cost you to acquire a new email address. So let's say it costs you a dollar for someone to make it through that process and give you their email address. But then once they join your email list, you have a sequence where you, know, you connect with them, they join your street team and you do live streams and you have some offers for, for different like merchandise or for like some sort of private party or house concert. And then you track how much, what's the value per, per email that you get. So you take all your emails and divide it by the amount of revenue that it's generating. Then you're going to get value per street team member or per, per email address. And so then the really the two metrics that matter most are the cost per email versus the value per email. If your value per email is $3 and your cost per email is a dollar, then that means that your, your funnel is a 300% ROI funnels. So that means that you're basically winning the game of funnels. And so at a nutshell, those are the two metrics that really matter most. Even if you had a super high cost per acquisition, if you're offering something on the high end and your value per acquisition was a lot higher, then it still is going to be profitable. You're still going to be able to reach more people with it and vice versa. If even if it's super, super cheap to acquire a new fan, like let's say that you know, I've seen certain things where it's like, how to get 10,000 fans in seven days. But then it's like, you look at it and it's like, well, you just target bots and fake people from overseas. <laughs> and, and so it's like, yeah, you get 10,000 people, but then it's like, so then it would be like cost per acquisition, like three cents. Wow. That's so cool. But then it's like value per acquisition, zero, 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 like nothing because yeah. they aren't real. Well, you just, you just got muted. Oh, you are on mute. 
That's weird. Yeah, something on my end. It's going to come back here in a second. And it's we're back. back. It's back. Sorry, I updated Ableton Live and it's been crashing every hour or so. It's, it's been kind of, kind of frustrating. Annoying. Yeah, yeah, but we should be good from now on. Cool. Yeah, so I know I'm kind of, I'm going into like geek territory right now and it's especially hard sometimes to communicate some of this without, like if we were just like looking at the spreadsheet, I think it might be a little bit easier for people to understand it. But that's what our, that's what our workshop is all about. So we can actually share um, the oh, examples. And share I can't wait. Like. No, I'm so glad you shared that. I mean, obviously me as a marketer, I understand all of that, but it's sometimes hard to explain why these metrics are important. But really the reason is you can look at your spreadsheet, like you said, and say, I spent this much and I made this much because people are always like, well, how much should I spend on Facebook ads? Or these Facebook ads are too expensive. Like, are they? Have you actually looked at whether they're too expensive? Like you said, if you're getting 3X, it doesn't matter if you spent $1 or $10. You know, if you spend $1 and you're making $3, awesome. If you spent $10 and you're making $30, also awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really good to, to have those numbers and I'm glad you went through that. But like you said, it'll be really great to see it on the screen. So why don't you tell them about the workshop that we have coming up? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So the workshop is a chance for us to, to really geek out more and go into more details in terms of sharing examples. There is something really powerful about being able to share the screen and looking at the spreadsheet and seeing the different targets you're going to aim for. Um, but basically, the the uh, training is called the Fan Base Growth Workshop, and it's something that we've been running for about three months now, and it's easily the thing that we've gotten the most feedback from artists who are just, like, they're coming out of it being like, this was so, this is exactly what I needed, thank you so much, this puts it, like, into so much clarity, actually getting those templates and understanding how to treat their music like a business, and actually having, like, clarity on what can we offer and how can we get to our first $5,000 a month with our business so that with our music so that we don't have to rely on a nine to five job anymore. And, and how, how do I actually like essentially in a nutshell, I would say the main, the main two things that we focus on in the workshop are one, I mean, it, first of all, who's going to get the most value out of it is if you at least have one song that you feel really proud of that you've recorded that's high, high quality. That's kind of the one requirement for it. Um, and really what we focus on is now that you have that song, how do you put it in front of the right people who are most likely to resonate with the music? So that's phase number one. You know, how do you put it in front of the right people? How do you generate traffic? And then I, the second thing that we really focus on is once you have a, a big flow of new listeners who are connecting with it, how do you actually turn those listeners into actual fans and how do you connect with them and build a deeper relationship so you can make a sustainable income with your music? And the system that we walk through in the workshop is how to go and how to go from scratch and get to your first $5,000 a month with the music. And that's what the whole spreadsheets are kind of lined up to. So it shows you know, what are the metrics that you need to hit. And so I think that that's the clarity that a lot of artists are sort of missing or they're looking for is like, what, what does that actually look like? And so I think the people are going to get the most value from it. If you're listening to this right now is if you're at a point where you've got the song and you know that it resonates when you put it in front of the right person, but now it's just like, how do we promote it properly? And then how do we make it sustainable? Mm. Perfect. This is going to be awesome. I really encourage you guys. You don't have to be a techie geek. You don't have to be a data geek like us, 
because Michael's going to break it all down for you. So you don't really have to completely understand all of it. He's going to make it in terms that we're all going to understand. So definitely sign up for the workshop. You can do that at femmusician.com slash modern musician. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com slash modern musician. And we will see you there. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been awesome. And I've enjoyed geeking out with you on all this nitty gritty stuff. Hopefully we didn't go too much in the weeds for them, but I think there's plenty of people that listen to this show that really enjoy this kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun, and yeah, I appreciate you giving me the space to, to let my geek out a little bit. <laughs> You're welcome. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com and music by Stella Ronson.